we're starting a new series today called Baggage, and um, and and we're we're going to talk about that. And, and I've got uh, some examples of some baggage up here, and uh, this is high quality, very expensive baggage that my wife and I got from J.C. Penney when it was on sale for like twenty five bucks. And uh, and this is now if you um, if you have this and, and you you're using it for packing for a trip or walking through an airport. It works pretty well. It's it's got the uh, you know the handles on it. So if you're taking off to the Atlanta airport, going from one concourse to another, you can kind of walk around and get around, and you're pretty good. And uh, and it, it works well for that. But uh, if you're carrying this baggage, and let's say you're running a 5K, um, that's not really ideal for that, is it? Now let me ask you a question: Can you carry these bags and run a 5K? Can you do that? Well, no, I cannot, but, but some people can, right? I probably can't run a 5K without a bag, but, but my friend Mark Johnson, one of our elders who just ran his first marathon, you know, you give him like seven of these and he could still run a 5K. It's no big deal to him. But even, even someone like Mark uh, who, who, who's run a marathon, if, if you were going to run a 5K, that wouldn't be the ideal setup, would it? Uh, but, because it would make things a whole lot more difficult. Well, we're going to talk today not about this type of baggage, uh, but we're going to talk instead about the kind of baggage that we carry around uh, that most people cannot see, but that we carry it. Things like guilt and shame and anger and bitterness. And those types of things are, are what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. And, and, and I think that there are, <clears throat> there, there's, there's different kinds of baggage. There's, there's baggage that we pack ourselves there's baggage that other people pack for us, and then there's baggage that kind of just packs itself, and uh, that, that just things that just happen. And, and today we're going to talk about baggage that, that we pack ourselves. And, and before we get into that, what I want to do, I want to I establish three, three things that we believe to be true about baggage, and I want to establish that today. And if you are taking notes like Donnie talked about, I want you to write these three things down across the top of your notes page, um, because... The, these three things, we're going to mention them every week from here on out through the, through the end of this, this series because I think these, we need to keep these three truths in mind about baggage because they're going to be true about everyone. They're going to be true about baggage we pack ourselves, baggage others pack for us, and baggage that packs itself. And, and here, here's the three truths that I want you to remember about baggage. The first one is this. We all carry baggage. We all carry baggage. Some of you are married to somebody and you're like, yeah, I know he carries baggage. You know, it's been rough. And, and, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't carry much baggage. And you might not. Some carry a whole lot more than others. But there's, we, all of us have stuff that we carry around with us. And, 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 like I, and we're going to talk, like I said, about, about where that stuff comes from and different things. But, but we all carry baggage. Even, even if you're a follower of Jesus, we struggle with that sometimes. We carry some baggage. And, and we might put it down for a while, and, we, and then we try to pick it back up. And so, so we all carry baggage. The second thing that's true that, that I want you to remember as we go through this series is that our baggage can make life difficult. Our baggage can make life difficult. Just like I talked about trying to run a 5K race carrying these, you can do that, but it makes it a lot more difficult. And, and you can still, if you carry baggage, you can still be married, you can, you can still have a job, you can still get a degree, you can, you can still do a lot of different things that, that you do in life, 
But baggage makes all of those things more difficult. And it, and it not only makes it more difficult for you, it makes it more difficult for the people who love you. It makes it more difficult for the people who live with you. And one of the things that's true about baggage making life more difficult is that it, sometimes that, that, that baggage even steals our enjoyment of life. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, where you're doing something that should be just a great moment in your life. And in the midst of that, there is feelings and there are thoughts that come into your mind and you begin to feel guilty about something, you begin to feel shame, you begin to feel anger, you begin to experience all this stuff. And you're thinking, why is this even going on? This should be a great moment in my life. But your baggage that you carry is stealing some of the joy that you could be experiencing in that moment because baggage <clears throat> makes our life more difficult. And then the third thing I want you to remember about baggage as we go through this series, and this is the most important one, you can drop your baggage. You can drop your baggage. The thing that we're going to talk about this today hard at the end of the message, and I know Donnie next week when he teaches, he's going to hit on this too. The thing that I want you to understand as we go through this is it doesn't matter what your baggage is, or whether you packed it yourself, whether someone else packed it for you, or if it just happened to you. It doesn't matter what it is. You can put that down and live a more healthy lifestyle. And the reason you can do that is because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we're going to talk in depth about that in just a little bit. Now, if, if you go on a trip and you're an adult, um, chances are you pack your own bag. You may, now, maybe some of you men, you're like, I haven't packed a bag since I got married. My wife packs it all for me. But, but most of you probably pack your own bag when you go on a trip. And even if you don't pack it all the way, at least before you leave, you look through it. And why do you do that? Because you want to make sure you've got everything you need. When we go on vacation to the beach, um, Sherry will start packing you know, three or four days in advance because we're excited and we're getting ready. And, and I'll come home one day and there'll be a suitcase there with a bunch of stuff in it. But even, even though she packed it and she's wonderful and I trust her, I'm going to look through it because I want to make sure I've got enough drawers and all that other good stuff in there just to be sure I'm going to have what I need for the beach. And so, so we're used to packing our own bags when it comes to going on a trip and going on vacation. Well, well whether, we, whether you know it or not, we also pack our own bags when it comes to this baggage that we carry, this emotional baggage, this spiritual baggage that we carry. We can pack our own bags there as well. Choices we make, actions we take or don't take, attitudes we have, all of those things lead to situations in our life that then will result in us having baggage. And the thing about that is, is that, that we are responsible for that. And, and one of the things that we like to do uh, that's easy for us to do, it's easy for us to shift the blame of that to someone else. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we will truly get, get down to, to the reality of who we are, all of us would say, you know, there's some stuff in my life, there's some baggage I carry, and I'm responsible for it. I packed it. I packed up that bag, and I, now I'm toting it around. And if you're, not, if you're from up north, tote means carrying it, all right? You're toting that around. Use that in your vocabulary this week. But I want to I read for you a, a story in the Scripture and kind of talk through it. It comes from Luke chapter 22. So if you've got your, got your Bible with you, or if you've got a Bible you can turn on on your phone or whatever, go ahead and, and go to Luke 22, 
And I'm going to be in this passage, and then in a little while, I'm going to be in another passage in Luke 22. So that's, that's right where we're going to be today. So go ahead and find Luke 22. If you don't have any of that stuff, you can look on the screen. It'll be up there. It'll be no problem. Luke 22, and I'm going to start with, with verse 54. Now let me set up what's going on here. Jesus has, has been on earth doing his thing, teaching people, healing people, uh, just, just doing amazing stuff. And he's been arrested by a group of people who want him dead. Uh, Philistine, I mean, uh, not Philistines. I've been reading the Old Testament this week, you can tell. Uh, Pharisees, Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, these guys were plotting to have Jesus killed. And so they finally got him arrested. And, uh, and so now he's been taken away. And, and, uh, and, and Peter, who is Jesus' right-hand man, his main disciple, he had 12 of these guys that hung around with him all the time, and there were three that were closest to him, Peter, James, and John. And Peter was one that was always right there with him. And so Peter has followed Jesus to where uh, they, they're getting ready to question him. And so this is, that's the situation that's going on here. And we're going to look at what happens to Peter and what we can learn about baggage through this story. Starting with verse 54 of Luke 22, it says this. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Now, before we go any further, we're about to read probably the lowest moment of Peter's life, the most embarrassing thing he's ever been involved in. We're about to read that. But before we do that, let's give Peter a little bit of credit. Remember, there were 12 guys that Jesus selected that had spent the last three years with him, hanging around with him, living with him, learning his teachings. One of them has already betrayed Jesus. He's one of the reasons why Jesus was even arrested. The other ten, instead of following Jesus after he was arrested, they've already, they've already run off. And so Peter, he's going to blow it in just a little bit, but at least he followed this far. He's the only one that followed this far. Verse 55, And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard... And sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Now think about this. Here's Peter, who is a fisherman, who is a man's man, who was ready to fight people at the drop of a hat. Just a little while earlier, he had cut off a dude's ear when they tried to come and take Jesus away. I mean, he is, he's the kind of guy you want backing you up in a fight. And now here's a little middle school girl who comes up and accuses him of knowing Jesus, and he gets all scared. I don't even know what you're talking about. You're crazy. I don't know what's going on. Let's continue. Verse 57, or verse 58. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval, interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Now, this is the, the lowest moment of Peter's life. And I cannot imagine what he felt when his eyes met the eyes of Jesus. The only thing I can liken it to, and it's so much less important, but it still is the only thing I can imagine it being like do you remember when you were young maybe you were a, this usually happens when you're a teenager 
and you do something you weren't supposed to do. And you remember, if you're like me, I would much rather have my dad tell me that he was angry with me, but if he looked at me and told me he was disappointed in me, that was way worse than him saying he was angry with me. And I, I imagine that when Peter looked into the eyes of Jesus, what he immediately felt was, he's disappointed. I've, I've turned my back on him, and I've let him down. And all of that came crashing down on him. And how did Peter react? Verse 62. And he went out and wept bitterly. So now Peter has a suitcase full of shame, of guilt, of bitterness, of broken trust, He's got all of that that he is now carrying around. And, and why did that happen? Because of his actions. He packed the bag himself. Now, I don't know if, if when you read that, I don't know if you can identify with that or not. I can. And, and maybe you can too. And maybe not specifically, it's, it's not a specific time where you can remember where you denied Jesus. But maybe there's stuff in your life that when you read that, you can remember, you know what? I'm carrying some baggage that I packed. Maybe it's, maybe it's a broken marriage that you're the one that was mostly responsible for it being broken. Maybe it was uh, a broken relationship with a, with a parent or a child, and you look back at the way you acted and you realize, I packed that bag, I'm the one that did that. It could be, I could go on and on with different things that it might be, but all of us carry some stuff that, that we packed. And like I said before, one of the things we love to do is we love to shift that blame off on somebody else. But Peter at this moment, if Peter was honest with himself, he would know, you know what, it's not anybody else's fault. I can't blame the other guys who didn't follow. I can't blame the people who were accusing me. I certainly can't blame Jesus. It's all because of me. I have created this, and, and now I'm carrying this baggage. Now, there's some stuff that I think we can learn from this story uh, and, and some verses before it that will help us before we get to the point where we're carrying baggage. Here, here's the first one. There are warning signs. There are warning signs. See, before Peter made this bad decision, Jesus had warned him about what was going to happen. And I think in our lives the same thing happens. Before, before we make the decision that results in us carrying baggage for the rest of our life, there almost always are things that God will put in our path to warn us about what's going to happen if we do that. Look back at, at, at Luke twenty two sixty one. See, it says there that, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. Now, now what, what was that from? When did that happen? Well, earlier that night, before Jesus was arrested, he and all his followers, Peter was there, they had gathered around and they were having dinner. They were celebrating a Jewish holiday called the Passover. And, and we, we celebrate that now. We call it the Last Supper or Holy Communion. It depends on what kind of church you grew up in. And at that meal, they were having a conversation. And, and they were talking about who was the most loyal to Jesus and who would follow him the farthest and all this kind of stuff. And, and this is what happens. Look at Luke 22, verse 31. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Now, Peter also, his name was Simon. He was Simon Peter. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, Simon, Simon, behold... Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Now, verse 31 there, it says, 
Satan has demanded that he might sift you like wheat. Now that's an old farming term from back in those days where they would have a, a, a big pile of wheat that they've harvested, they've cut it down, and it's sitting there, and there was something called chaff that was not the good part of the wheat that they wanted to separate from the wheat. And so what they would do is they would take a pitchfork and they'd stick it in the, in the, the haystack where the wheat is, and they'd begin to throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow away the chaff out from under it, and so they're throwing that up. And so what Jesus is saying to Peter is, listen, Peter, Peter, Satan has told me that he wants to stick a pitchfork in your rear end and he wants to throw you around and he wants to mess with you and I'm telling you that's going to happen. Jesus was warning him about Satan is real, he wants to see you fail and he's coming after you, Peter. And, and Peter, we're going to talk in a minute about how Peter reacts to that. But, but the thing about that is that the main thing we need to understand is that Peter didn't listen. And I know that we're listening to that and we're thinking, you know what, if Jesus looked at me and he said, hey, this is about to happen to you, man, I would never do what Peter did. I would know, that's Jesus. I would do exactly what he said to do. You know, we're sitting here and probably the majority of you in here believe that the Bible that you own, that the words in the, in the New Testament that are written or read, we believe that those are really the words of Jesus. But we ignore those a lot of times, don't we? Those same warnings that Peter, that Jesus looked at Peter and gave him, we've gotten some of those same warnings and we ignore them. We act like, I, I don't know if Jesus knows what he's talking about. It'd be like if, if, um, if you and I were riding in a, in a car and we came up and, and we're going down this road and it's out in the country somewhere and, and, uh, and I'm driving and, and there's this big sign and a barricade that says bridge out ahead. And I looked at you and I said, we're going anyway. And we get out and move it and we take off. Now, one of two things would be true about me if that was the case. Either I think that I'm in driving the General Lee and it's the Dukes of Hazard, and I'm going to jump over whatever this bridge out was because that's always what happened. Like every, There were more bridges out in Hazard County, Georgia than any place in the world because they were jumping one every single episode. And maybe that's what was happening. But here's the more likely thing. If I move that, that sign and I say we're going anyway, that means that I think I know more than what that sign is saying. That means that I think either A, that sign is wrong and now the bridge has been restored, or B, I'm not going to go all the way. I'm just going to go close enough to get to the edge, but I'm not going to go over the edge. And see, what we do when we have warning signs in our life, when, when Jesus, when there's something going on and He begins to warn us about what's going to happen, what we do is, is we start to think, that won't happen to me. That might happen to somebody else, but that won't happen to me. I'm going to just go get up close to the edge. Or, or either, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Now, 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 where do these warnings come from in today's day and age? Well, the best place they come from is, your, is the Bible. If you're reading the Scripture every day, there's tons of verses in there that start off with be on guard, stand alert, those kinds of things. It's, it's God telling us, pay attention to this. I'm trying to warn you about some things that can be in your life. The other place that they come from is from the words of wise friends of yours who love Jesus. And if you're in here right now, don't raise your... Well, you can raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're between the ages of 12 and 20 right now in here. Raise your hands. Let me tell you where the wisest words that you're going to get is if your parents love Jesus and they're following Jesus, that's where your warning signs are coming from right now in your life. And I know... I'm standing up because I'm getting fired up by this. I know as a teenager, you think right now that your parents are the stupidest people on the planet Earth. 
And uh, there's an old saying, Mark Twain said, that he said that when he was 16 years old, his dad was the dumbest man alive. And he said, when I turned 21, I couldn't figure out how the man had learned so much in the last five years. And there's going to be a time in your life that you're going to look back and you're going to say, you know what, my parents were trying to warn me against doing things that would hurt me. And right now, all of us, whether you're 12 to 20 or whether you're an adult, God has people in your life that love Jesus, that are trying to speak truth into your life to keep you from making decisions that will end up resulting in you carrying baggage later on. And we need to pay attention to those warning signs. The second thing that I think we can learn from this story is this. When you think it won't happen to you, you're already in trouble. When you think it won't happen to you, you're already in trouble. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. that's when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. That's a direct warning that Jesus gave to Peter. And how did Peter respond? Verse 33, he says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And we saw later that that wasn't true. You know one another thing he said? Matthew 26, 33, you don't have to turn to it, it's going to be on the screen. That's another telling of this story that Matthew told. Here's something else that, that he said. Matthew 26, 33, Peter answered him and said, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. So Peter not only said, Jesus, I'll follow you to death. He said, all these other losers, I know they're not going to follow you, but I'll follow you all the way to death. I'm better than they are, God. I will do exactly what you want me to do, and I'm better than all these other guys that, you, that have been following you these last three years. And when Peter said that, now I don't know if this is true, but it's almost in my mind, I feel like that as soon as Peter uttered those words, he was doomed. Because at the moment he began to believe that, you know what, it won't happen to me. It might happen to these guys, but it won't happen to me. Because when you believe it won't happen to you, you're already in trouble. See, Peter was given a warning and he should have responded with a humble attitude toward Jesus. He should have responded with a healthy fear of what was going to happen in his life and saying, I need, to, I need to change something here. Jesus has just told me that before the, the sun goes down tonight, I'm going to deny him three times. I need to do something about that. I need to take a different action. Jesus, what can I do? Help me not to do this thing. Help me not to deny you. But instead, he responds with, not me. Jesus, you're wrong. You don't understand how strong I am. You don't understand how much stronger I am than these other guys over here. There's no way that I would do that. See, Peter's confidence in himself instead of his dependence on Jesus, led to his downfall. He had, a, he had an opportunity at that moment to say, Jesus, I'm totally dependent on you. And I realize that without being dependent on you, I will deny you. I will fail. But instead, he said, I'm confident in me. His confidence in himself, instead of his dependence on Jesus, that's what led to his downfall. And then his downfall led to this baggage that he was going to have to carry. Uh, several, it's been a few years ago now, there was, a, um, there was a guy who was accused of, of something. It was in the papers. It was, it was uh, news around here. And, and, uh, and it was shocking what he was, it wasn't the worst thing ever, but it was shocking what he was accused of because of the position he held. This was a guy who was, a, who was known around town. He was, a, he was a minister and lots of people knew him. And, and so, uh, so when it happened, there was a lot of people wondering, you know, what's going on and all that kind of stuff. And there were some people saying there's no way he did this and other people saying he did. And, and, uh, and I remember 
there was somebody who knew him made this statement. And I was with Blake Comer, who used to be our student pastor here. Blake and I were together when we heard the statement made. And this person uh, made the statement about the guy who was accused of doing this. And this was the statement that they made. They said, I know this man, and he is not capable of doing what he's been accused of doing. And Blake, in all of his youth, he said the wisest words that anybody said. Blake looked at me and he said, we're all capable of doing that. And that's the attitude that we need to have as we go through life. To understand those things that we see on TV, those things that we hear about, that we say we'll never do, we need to understand that we're closer to doing that oftentimes than we are to doing the thing that God wants us to do. And the only thing that will keep us on the right path is total dependence on Jesus. The minute we start to think, I'm incapable of that, I could never go down that road. Someone else might have an affair, but not me. Someone else might beat their kids, but not me. Someone else might get an addiction to that, but not me. As soon as we start to do that, we are already in trouble. And that's what happened to Peter. He began to think that he wasn't capable of doing those things. The other guys might have been, but not him. So what happens in this story? Peter ignored Jesus. He believed in himself more than he believed in Jesus. He, he, he denied him. Then he had to carry the shame. So that's it, right? That's it for Peter. Game over. Potential squandered. No use. He'll be no use to God anymore. Is that what happened? No, if you know what the Scripture says, here's where the miracle of all this comes in. And this is where I want you to pay real close attention. Because all of, you, all of us carry baggage. You carry baggage and I carry baggage. And here's the miracle of the gospel. See, the gospel is, means good news, and that's the word we use to talk about Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. And the miracle of the death on the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is, despite what Peter did, that then Jesus came back from the grave and he goes to Peter and he says to him, Peter, I want you to lead my church. I want you. You're the one who denied me three times. You're the one who let a little middle school girl scare you so bad that you wouldn't even stand up for me. But I want you to be the voice of the church when I leave this earth. Peter, I'm going to be going here soon. I'm not going to be on earth forever. And I want to know, will you lead my church? And the term that Jesus used, and you can read this for yourself, it's in John 21. Go home and read it this afternoon. The term Jesus used was, he said, Will you feed my sheep? Will you teach these other people? Will you be the leader of the church? See, that's the miracle of grace. The mercy in that was that Peter didn't get the punishment he deserved. The punishment he deserved, Jesus could have banished him for life and immediately sent him to hell for denying him. That's what Peter deserved. That's what we deserve. But Jesus poured out mercy on him by not giving him the punishment he deserved. And then he poured out grace on him by also giving him something to do that would glorify God later. That Peter, he didn't deserve that. And I'm sure Peter was thinking at the time, I'm the least qualified of all. I denied you. Who am I to stand and represent you? And who am I to be the voice of your church? And see, we can... Just like Peter, we can be restored. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it was. It doesn't matter how embarrassing it was. It, 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 there's, there's nothing that you could have done that could keep 
Jesus from restoring you if you will trust in the cross, if you will believe in the resurrection, you can be restored. See, there's a lie out there that you might believe in that Jesus only uses good people to do His work. See, some of you, you're here and you don't know me well, and you see me up here and you think, well, that guy's on stage, he's talking about Jesus, he must have it all together. He's never done the stuff I've done, he's never had the thoughts I've had, and chances are, I've done way worse stuff than you, and I've thought way worse stuff than you ever have, and I probably did that this morning. But the reason I can stand up here is not because I'm worthy, but because Jesus has changed me and has allowed me to drop my baggage at his feet. And I trust in the cross to make me worthy to stand up here. Not in anything that I've done. Because I'm just as bad, if not worse, than Peter ever was. And see, the miracle is, is that, that Jesus, this is what blows me away. It is that, that Jesus had a plan for Peter that even Peter denying him couldn't stop. See, Jesus has a plan for you, and even your sin can't stop that plan. Let me say that again. And you might need to write that down because I, that's something you're going to need to remember this week when you're feeling worthless and guilty of something you've done. Jesus has a plan for you and even your sin cannot stop that plan. And here, Here's how I know that. Before Peter denied Jesus, so it hasn't even happened yet, before Peter denied Jesus, the plan was already in place. Look at Luke 22 again, 31 and 32. Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then listen to this. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is telling Peter, you're going to turn away from me. But when you turn back, feed the rest of these guys. You're going to turn away from me. You're going to deny me. Your sin is going to stop you in your tracks. But when you turn back to me, I've already got a plan for you. And even your sin, even you denying me, can't stop that plan. And my plan for you is you're going to lead the church. You're going to stand up on the day of Pentecost and you're going to preach and 3,000 people are going to get saved on that day. That's what you're going to do. And you can't even stop it, Peter. Your sin cannot even stop that because... The cross and the resurrection is more powerful than your sin. And that's what, I want, that's what I want you to know today. Is that I know some of you are in here and you're carrying just crazy stuff. And it's stuff that you packed. You packed the bag. You did it yourself. You can't blame your mom and daddy for it. You can't blame your ex-husband or your ex-wife for it. You can't blame your kids. You can't blame anybody. But the truth of the matter is, is that whatever it is that you're carrying, the cross is more powerful than your sin. And the, and the great thing is, is that Jesus has never intended for us to carry baggage, but He has intended for us to carry a cross. And that's what He's told us. He's, all He said is, I want you to carry your cross. Drop your baggage and pick up a cross. And trust in that. Now, uh, before the band comes up and we, we do a closing song, I want to give you three things to kind of hold on to about this message. Three things that I think you can put into your life that will help you deal with your baggage. And, and here they are, and you can write these down. The first one is, take responsibility. Take responsibility. I said earlier that the easiest thing in the world to do is for us to blame 
our baggage on somebody else. And the first step in you getting healed, the first step in you dropping that baggage is you beginning to say, I'm responsible for this. Nobody else is. I've shared this story in length up here before, so I won't do it today, but I'll just briefly touch on it. There was a a situation in my life where there was a broken relationship, and for a long time, I took zero responsibility for that broken relationship. I blamed the other person. Well, if they hadn't have done this, and they were this kind of person, and they were that kind of person, and I was in the right, and they were in the wrong, and if they hadn't done those things, I never would have did what I did, and I totally took zero responsibility. And it wasn't until God completely broke my heart and convicted me about who I was and what my responsibility was that I was able to then ask that person for forgiveness and begin to move on with my life. Because I was angry, I was bitter, and I was blaming them. And the only way I could drop the bag of anger I was carrying toward that person, the only way I could drop the bag of bitterness that I was carrying for that person was until I took responsibility and said, you know what, it was my fault. I was responsible for that. Second thing that you can hold on to today is you need to trust in grace. Take responsibility and trust in grace. Remember what I just told you. The cross is more powerful than your sin. And what's going to happen is you're going to hear that right now and you might be inspired by that and you might have a good feeling inside about that. But what's going to happen is you're going to go out of here this week and there's going to be some things happen in your life and all of a sudden what's going to seem so, what, the, what seems so real today about the cross being powerful is going to seem so far away and what's going to seem more real is that baggage that you carry because it's right there and you're going to want to pick it back up. But trust in the grace of God to forgive you of your sin and to help you put down your baggage. And then the third thing is allow God to use your failure to bless someone else. Allow God to use your failure to bless someone else. That's when the whole miracle of this thing comes full circle. That's that's when the grace of God is on the biggest display ever. It's when um, you were something you did and baggage that you've carried and stuff that you've struggled with, now you're able to, through the power of God, to be able to actually use that to be an influence on someone else and to help them. And I've seen it happen hundreds of times in my life where someone who had gone through something that was terrible and they carried baggage for a long time and then they finally were able to drop that baggage at the foot of the cross and then now there's someone else going through the same thing and they're able to go to them and they're able to say, I've been through what you're, you're going through. And let me tell you how I got through it. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Allow God to use your failure to bless someone else. Band's going to come up now and uh, as I close up. And uh, I'm going to pray for us. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And, and this, is a, this is what I want you to do. If you're, um, if you're here and, and you're hearing me talk about the cross and grace and all that stuff, and, and you have questions about that and you know that that's just words to you and you don't really understand it, I want to talk to you about that. I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to understand who Jesus is and what he can do in your life. If you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, whatever the baggage is you've got, understand that Jesus wants you to put that down and he wants you to begin to live out the plan he's got for you. And nothing 
that you've done can stop that plan. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing about the firm foundation of Jesus and how that's what we stand on because that's what this is all about, and we're going to go out of here excited about that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word, and thank you that it's true and that we can count on it. And thank you that the example of Peter, that, that he failed you. And we have failed you. But instead of condemning him for all time, you restored him and gave him a job to do. And I pray that all of us would see that today. That you can restore us. You can give us a job to do. You've already got it in mind. You already know what you want us to do. And I pray that we would all seek after you. We love you. We don't deserve your grace and your mercy, but we surely accept it gratefully. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.